The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Serve Hour. Insightful, provocative, opinion-shaping conversations that matter. Your host is Jim Blackburn. During this broadcast, you'll hear from guests who are taking uniquely different approaches to life and their work environment, and you are invited to take part in the conversation. Now, here is Jim Blackburn. It's that time. Welcome to the Serve Hour and a conversation that matters. Wherever you are and however you may be listening, thank you for making us part of your day. Our conversation topic for today is about how to avoid the pitfalls of an epidemic of unparalleled proportions that is rapidly spreading throughout the world of business and causing immeasurable damage to the best and the brightest of today's professional workforce. I'm Jim Blackburn, your host for today's conversation, and my special guest today is Nancy Board, CPA, full-time parent, and community volunteer, and as you will soon discover, much more as a person than that description indicates. Hello, Nancy, and welcome. Good morning, Jim. Thank you so much for having me on the Serve Hour today. It's a, it's a pleasure. Uh, Nancy, uh, before we get into our conversation, I want to make sure our listeners know that we invite them to participate in conversation with us. We can be reached by phone at 866-472-5790. Again, that's 866-472-5790. Or you can email me at jblackburn at serve, and that's S-U-R-V-E-Partners.com. If you're listening to our podcast, please feel free to email me at the same email. Jay Blackburn at servepartners.com. Okay, what is the epidemic that is rapidly spreading throughout the world of business and damaging the best and the brightest of today's professional workforce? Let's first take a look at what's fueling the epidemic. Would you believe it's our addictions to busyness and multitasking? businesses, obsessions with numbers and measurements, antiquated definitions of work, the virtual workplace environment, confusing statements of responsibility, inept management with high needs to control and promote cultures of internal competition and disrespect, and finally a total misunderstanding of the double-edged sword called success. What do the worker symptoms look like? How about low energy, feelings of being overwhelmed, anxiety, depression, guilt, dread, anger, and more? What's the epidemic? 
it's overwhelming amounts of meaningless and mind-numbing work. People do not burn out from too much meaningful work. They burn out from addressing the same old, same old problems and relationship issues, as well as not having enough intellectual and interpersonal stimulation. That's the work world that we live in. And the purpose of our conversation today is to discuss not only how to survive in this dysfunctional world, but how to thrive in it. Nancy, again, thank you for taking time to participate in conversation with me today. Let's start with you sharing with me and our listeners a little bit about your experiences with busyness, multitasking, and competing throughout your life. Okay, thank you. Um, Well, I would like to start out with a little bit about my past and my upbringing. Um, I come from a large Catholic family where education and sports were very important. Consequently, there was a lot of competition for my parents' attention and love by my siblings and I. Uh, We had an outlet for that competition, and it was sports participation and academic excellence. Uh, therefore, um, the emphasis in my adult life involved a lot of competition. I was heavily involved in having, proving, and doing, and I was focused on outcomes, measurements, and results. Uh, the, ex- the best examples I can give um, are that when I was a CPA, I had to be the hardest working CPA on the staff of my accounting firm. My children had to experience and achieve academic and athletic excellence. My status in the community was motivation in my work as an outstanding volunteer. Uh, I was repeating what I learned in the past, doing the same things in the same way, and this was very stressful. Nancy, how when you were trying to demonstrate that you were the hardest working CPA in the firm. How did you do that? Well, um, well, first of all, I was the only woman on the staff, and um, I had a motivation to prove myself as a woman. But secondly, um, I made sure I had a lot of, I, that I spent the hours that I needed to spend in there and got as, as much of the work done as I possibly could that was assigned to me. So your definition of work was long hours? Long hours, yes. Having, the, um, having my work be correct or right and um, communicating with uh, the other members of the staff. And this then carried over when you uh, decided to go full-time as a parent? These same behaviors, Uh, busyness, and uh, the competing and the multitasking continued? Yes, it did, and it involved a lot with my volunteer work. I had to prove that I was an outstanding volunteer. It helped my, um, my husband was a physician, and it was important that um, he have, that I promote his status in the community. I was focused on, let's see, so the children as well had to be 
we focused on uh, academic and athletic excellence with the children. And I must say that my husband was on board with this. So it was like the, a tandem operation heading for disaster. Well, take us there. What, what was the result of that approach to your life and, and to your family and to work? What, what, well, what it was the accumulated stress and the focus on doing, having, and proving. Um, it was the daily stress was exhausting. It was I was tired all the time. I was sharp with my children. I started having problems in my marriage, and I had unhealthy family relationships. So this uh, the accumulation of the stress um, ended in a major depression for me. And how did you deal with that? Well, um, I sought help. I sought professional help with that, and um, and I had to go on medication. So, and that helped somewhat. That plus exercise and um, cont- actually continuing on with my work. So, as you were realizing. The lifestyle that you had, um, uh, you were paying a, a price for that. What what changed? What what's what's different now? And in and how did that come about? Well, sometime later, um, when I was still floundering with my medical problems and family issues, I found the book Seeds of of Intent on Amazon. And Jim is the author of that book. Um, it's not your typical front-to-back read, uh, and it requires the reader to participate in the book. So, while I was reading it, I was very—I lo- realized I was very low on self-acceptance. Is that? Um, well, take me back again to you. Um, Purchasing that book, and again, I appreciate it. I think I've maybe sold one now. Um, <laughs> the the idea of you taking a look, and it sounds to me like you were searching for some way to address some of the struggle and issues you were having. Is that a fair statement? Yes. Okay. Okay. Did you, as you were going about this, take on a different approach, if you will, to personal and professional development. I think that um, I'm asking you that as kind of a leading question um, because I know that in Seeds of Intent, we talk about change doesn't occur by learning what other people already know. So it's not about getting smarter. And what I want you to talk about is how you embraced the idea of personal development by understanding that you needed to relate to same situations differently, to same relationships differently, and to same things differently. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, yes. Um, I... What I had to do first was overcome a negative view of myself, and um, the exercises in the book 
directed me to write a story about myself that included everything that I didn't like. And it took five days of writing, editing, editing, and review. And then on the fifth day, I destroyed the story. So, first of all, I had to forgive myself for um, any transgressions or things that happened in the past. And I had to realize that I was no longer the person that I was. It was a very moving experience that I will never forget. Um, The next thing I did was... So what you're sharing with us, if I can interrupt just for a second then, is one of the things that you embraced was relating to yourself differently. Yes. And, And I'm really stressing this. I want our listeners to understand this. This isn't learning about a new exercise or learning about a new uh, weight loss program or a new uh, stress release program. This is actually relating to yourself differently than you had in the past. So, Nancy, take a second. How were you relating to yourself before you changed? Well, I had uh, negative issues surrounding my behavior with my family, um, and friends as well. Um, so I, you, were, you were, if I can interrupt again, uh, you were reacting to things? You were angry a lot? Yes. I was worried about what, uh, what was thought of me. Um, I would apologize consistently for anything, mis- for a... Um, perceived misdeed or a misstatement, um, I was angry a lot in my inner relationships with my family, and um, I had high expectations for what I thought I should be receiving in terms of um, respect and within the family. Okay. And so in changing how you related to yourself, and you'd mentioned acceptance, can you talk to us a little bit about the importance of that for you? Well, the importance of self-acceptance has given me a focus, a new focus in my life, from all the having and the proving and the multitasking to um, a focus on doing new things or doing the same things differently. Uh, this is this approach has reduced a great deal of stress and worry in my life. So, so by accepting yourself, if if I may summarize that, then what what you're sharing with the listeners is until you can accept self, you can't accept others. Right. Or absolutely, can you accept the world you're in? So that's which, right. Would, It'd be fair, and again, I don't mean to uh, superimpose too much into this, but would it be fair to say then with your lack of self-acceptance through the upbringing of your children and through your professional life and so on, you were pretty critical of other people? Yes, I was critical of other people as well as critical of myself. Right. I, um, yeah. Okay. So this... Is this self-acceptance the only thing that you've changed as you're relating to yourself? 
Well, um, I've actually the self acceptance has because I have I've been able to be more okay with me, and I've been able to let go of my past. I'm able to relate to people in a more positive way. And I change the way how I relate to myself and how I relate to my day. Well, what is this doing to all the busyness and the multitasking and the competing that was going on in your life before? Which, as I mentioned earlier, the, the, the busyness in our world today and the multitasking is, is at epidemic levels. Um, mm-hmm. You can see this, and I can say this for our listeners who are from all over the world. All you need to do is walk into an airport and just watch people or watch uh, young people as they're driving in their cars with the, the cell phones going, the texting going, et cetera, et cetera. Has, has this way of relating to yourself changed any of that for you? Yes, it has. Um, actually, um, I have less worry and stress in my life by my morning ritual, what I call my morning ritual, and um, I'm able to focus more on the people that I see during the day and um, on how I'm going to relate to those people. I try to focus on more so on less on the busyness and the to-do lists and focus more upon how I might affect that person's day and make it a better day and how I might be able to make them feel valued. Nancy, uh, it's time for us to take a short break. So I'm going to, I want you to hang on to where you are right now. Um, because this is important as we come back. Um, and for our listeners, this is the serve hour and you are in conversation on the Voice America Business Channel with host Jim Blackburn, that be me, and my special guest, Nancy Board, CPA, full-time parent, and community volunteer, discussing the epidemic of meaningless and mind-numbing work, and in particular, its effects on today's professional workforce. When we come back, Nancy and I will continue our conversation We will be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. 
If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. Tune in every week for the Ellis Martin Report. Our program will bring you the news and information that you need each week. We look at publicly traded small and mid-cap companies from a variety of sectors. We'll talk to key people in the industry to bring you the foreground and background of new and -and up-and-comers for potential investment. Please remember, invest only at your own risk. The Ellis Martin Report is meant for informational purposes only. Tune in every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is the Serve Hour. We know you have something to say, so take part in our conversation today. Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to jblackburn at servepartners.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to our conversation about how to avoid the pitfalls associated with the meaningless work that consumes so much of our time. I'm Jim Blackburn, your host, and I'm in conversation with special guest Nancy Board, CPA, full-time parent, and community volunteer. Welcome back, Nancy. Thank you, Jim. Uh, Before we took our break, uh, Nancy was discussing with me how she is changing, how she is relating to herself. And I kind of want to circle back um, because our topic is how to avoid the pitfalls of the meaningless work and mind-numbing work that's going on in, in the workplace. And the message that I hope you're getting from this is it. Relating to that begins with you and your internal way of relating to your world, to yourself, and to the workplace. What I've experienced is if we can't accept the fact that the work world, quite frankly, is messed up and it's confusing and it's demanding and it's short on a number of issues, if we can't accept that, if we're continually finding fault with it, if we're continually blaming it, we will continually live in that cesspool of self-pity. What we need to do is to take responsibility for who we are. And by that, I'm saying take responsibility for where you are, the situation you're in, and take responsibility for creating your own future. And what's being demonstrated in my conversation with Nancy is how she was able to do that at one point in her life where when she stopped looking for solutions out and beyond herself. Remember, personal growth is you relating to same situations, same relationships, same things differently. Would you agree with that, Nancy? Oh, yes, I do. I do. Um, and um, I'm, I'm very happy that I have a new focus on I've been able to, through self-acceptance to um, 
accept a new focus on my life from that having, proving, doing, multitasking to a positive focus um, on the greater good and a new role in promoting the value of others. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Or no, actually, no. I, I'm, I'm going to hold off on that for a second. I want to take us back to something else that you decided to focus on and relate to differently. And I think, as you were talking to me when we were off air, it's how you're now approaching your days. Yes, um, I have a new way of approaching my day. Um, in the past, the first thing I thought about when I woke up in the morning was what I had to do that day, where I needed to be, and what I needed to accomplish. Um, but I was introduced to a morning ritual uh, in the book that focuses on a gratitude moment and a daily journal. So my first emotion that I experienced during the day, I let go of my worries and my to-do list and I focus on a personal feeling of gratitude. It may be simple, like being thankful for a good night's sleep, or it could be something important, like being grateful for a surprise call from an old friend on the previous day. Uh, It's really a great way to start the day. Um, My emotion of gratefulness, it energizes me. It makes me more optimistic about my day and it makes me more empathetic to the people I meet that day. It reduces the worry and the stress that accompany the beginning of the day. Um, now, are, but, you, are um, you just, Nancy, let me ask you again, and, and this is maybe uh, uh, a question that, that I, I, I want you to be very truthful about. Are you just going through that as another exercise, or does that actually impact you in a way that does cause your day to be different? It actually does, because um, in my morning ritual, I have a daily journal, and uh, I think about the intentions for the day, about the people I'm going to meet and how I'm going to make them feel valued. I try to be, I try to think of how I might be more interested in people versus, uh, interesting. And, um, I, I do have a, a to-do list of about five tasks that I include during that day. Let me, let me jump in just for a minute to clarify a couple of things that you said. Um, you mentioned intentions. You also said that historically you would start your day out with a to-do or task list. One mm-hmm. of the things that I would like for our listeners to take away from our conversation today is the importance of understanding the difference between intentions and tasks and knowing that if you focus more on intentions, the task will take care of themselves. Tasks are thoughts and things to do. Intentions are feelings. Tasks are thoughts from your mind. Intentions are feelings from your heart. And they're feelings of contribution. They're feelings of purpose. They're feelings of meaning. 
And when you start your day more intentionally, you will be able to impact and influence much more effectively than if you start out with tasks and to-dos. That's the first thing I want to mention. The second thing is how Nancy's changing her focus to people. The reason she's capable of that, and a lot of us aren't, is she's fully accepting of self. And when you're fully accepting of self and your intentions are directing you to others, you're actually contributing to their value and their potential, which makes for a very fulfilling and meaningful day. So, Nancy, I didn't mean to jump in there on that, but I wanted to clarify it. You talk about this morning ritual, and you focus on gratitude, intentions, relationships. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, in keeping a daily journal, I feel like I can create my day in advance. By that, I mean that I can anticipate how I'm going to respond to the people that I meet. And um, when an unexpected event occurs, I feel like I'm able to deal with them with less stress. So in that way, um, I downplay the worry, the stress, and the unhappy, any unhappiness or disappointment I might have, and and try to build up my intentions surrounding the people that I meet and how I can make them feel valued. Nancy, um, this is a perfect segue. We just got an email from Barbara, mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to interrupt you here just for a minute because what you're talking about is going to help me or help you and me answer this question. Mm-hmm. Okay. She says, what advice would you give to bedside nurses who work in a hospital setting under enormous stress, ensuring the safe and comprehensive care of patients and who face additional adversarial stresses with nursing and hospital administrators. Wow. The adversarial stress is rooted in an underlying punitive environment where nurses perceive they continually face disciplinary or legal action for a mistake in the delivery of care or a failure to meet standards. As a result, tons of expectations and necessary documentation requirements place a computer between the nurse and the patient and take away valuable time at the bedside. Barbara, thank you for this question and clarifying the the work environment we talked about before. Nancy, I'm going to take a run at this, and if you want to add anything, please do. Uh, But Barbara... Uh, the first thing I'd like for you to take away from our, my conversation with Nancy is what she's talking about is her morning ritual. If you are going into that hospital environment fearful, focused on the measurements, the requirements, et cetera, et cetera, you, whether you realize it or not, are very task-oriented and you are creating enormous stress for yourself. And I'm not suggesting that you discount all that, but what I am suggesting is that you focus differently. And I'll give you an example. 
um, last year I had uh, work with a hospital administrator where there was enormous issues with morale, um, high turnover, uh, patient care issues, et cetera, et cetera. And that environment was pretty much what you explained here. But when I asked the administrator, what are your people responsible for, she couldn't answer me. Uh, her, her answers were, well, they're all different. And I said, well, how so? Well, there are certain people that are responsible for this and other people responsible for that and so on and so forth. And I said to her, well, that's contributing then to the issues you have here. There's not any clear expectation of your staff. And to be truthful, your entire staff should have the same responsibility. And long story short, what came out of that was six words that literally turned the environment around. And those six words were patient, no, I'm sorry, exceptional patient care above all else. That was the intention. And again, we're back to intentions and tasks. Every person in there heard that over and over and over, and they lived by it. Yes, they still had to keep records. Yes, they still had to document. But it's kind of like driving a car. If you go into that environment or if you're driving your car and you're focused on the record keeping and the requirements, et cetera, it's like driving a car focused on your dashboard. If you're, and I know you are, competent, you're skilled, and you're intentional, and you pay attention to those other things, I think the work environment will become less stressful. How you choose to relate to a situation is what it becomes, and, and that's what we're talking about here. Nancy, do you want to add anything to that? Um, no, you sounded good, Jim. I think you summarized it very well. Well, um, the reason I like the, the email from Barbara is that's the real world out there. And that's what we said earlier in our broadcast. It is what it is. So the question really is we get to choose. How do we want to relate to this? Do we want to go in defensively and be controlled and manipulated? Or do we want to go in as the true professionals that we are, intentionally performing our work while we pay attention to the requirements, the guidelines, et cetera, et cetera. So let, let's go back, Nancy. It, it, do you have anything else to say about Barbara's email? Um, well, it seems to be very common, and my sisters, who are all professionals, seem to have the same, uh, it seems to be the same thread in terms of stress in the environment, in, in the work environment especially um, today where there's so much change involved in the business world. Daily there seems to be something new that has to be adapted to. And um, like a new regulation from the government, for example. So um, I... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, this is what I'm talking about, meaningless work. The fact that leadership in business, and this can be a whole other broadcast, about how our people in charge are very high control and low trust and create records 
to monitor records. Um, example being, I just leased a new car. Um, I went in with the uh, satellite radio. I had it in my other car. I called the satellite radio company to, to tell them to change cars, et cetera, et cetera. That call took 15 minutes at least, and the person on the other end kept repeating to me what I asked for, then would repeat to, for me what he did, then get me to say yes to what he agreed, what I'd already agreed to, then said that I have to read a statement to you, and on and on and on. And I truthfully, I felt sorry for him. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. W- this is the world we live in. The purpose of our conversation, my conversation with Nancy today, is how can we live in this world and feel the sense of meaning and purpose on a daily basis? Mm-hmm. Nancy, is there anything else you want to add to your daily routine and how you're relating to your day? Well, let's see. Um, I was just wanted to reemphasize that by keeping a daily journal, I can create my day in advance. I can anticipate how I, I'm going to respond to these people and events as opposed to reacting to those people and events. And those are two very important distinctions to make. Um, and then when an unexpected events occur, I feel like I'm able to deal with them with less stress. Okay. Do you think with your routine, now you're not actively working now, do you think that a person that has to get up early, get their kids off to school, get ready for I, work, get to work, do the work, come home, have the kids get dinner ready, etc., can they... Carve out this time in the morning, do you think? I, well, I think that it takes a commitment. Um, it really only takes about 30 minutes out of your day, but it's a good habit to get into for anyone. Uh, some people get up to exercise. Some people get up early to meditate or do yoga. But um, I think making a commitment to your own personal development only involves a 30-minute time for reflection during the day in the first thing uh, in the morning. So uh, I think that is something that an intentional person would would be open to doing. Okay. Well, Nancy, we're up against another break, and I just got another email. This is this is really special. Yeah. Um, you're touching a lot of lives out there. But let, let's take a break, and we come back, I'll go to this email. Um, okay. This, this is the Serve Hour, and you are in conversation on the Voice America Business Channel with host Jim Blackburn, that'd be me, and special guest Nancy Board, discussing how to avoid falling into the trap of the meaningless work that consumes so much of our time. When we come back, Nancy will also be sharing some interesting insights that she has recently developed about this topic of conversation. We'll be right back.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Conversations concerning money can be a bit daunting. There can be limitations with building wealth. And in general, people don't want to discuss their money until now. Listen each week for Conversations with Money, featuring Franco Calajuri and Marissa Sipolinski. Our guests make money the conversation piece. How to build and maintain wealth, working with charities, and money and family members. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Great leaders today have certain capabilities that set them apart. These leaders have discovered transformational leadership. Now you can discover the same ideas, insights, and programs that have led them to success. Inside Transformational Leadership, hosted by Kate Ebner, is produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. We'll explore these stories and concepts every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more, not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind. With host Chris Cooper, you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. These people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more. Be More, Achieve More can be heard live Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network the bottom line in business. This is the Serve Hour. We know you have something to say, so take part in our conversation today. Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to jblackburn at servepartners.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to our conversation. I'm Jim Blackburn, your host, and I am in conversation with special guest Nancy Ford discussing how to avoid falling into the trap of meaningless work that consumes so much of our time. Actually, what we're talking about is how to avoid the trap of falling into the trap of busyness, multitasking, focusing on the wrong, i.e., tasks, when, in fact, your life and the meaning of your life is about contributing and making a difference in the lives of others. Uh, Nancy, as we were breaking, we got another email that I'd like to share with our listeners, and you and I can talk a little bit about this. It's on point for pretty much everything we talk about on the Serve Hour. Um, it, it's from Christy, and it says, on the topic of everyday stress, the greatest stress that I felt in the workplace had to do with either personally dealing with change or by managing change. The business world is in constant flux. Early in my career, I felt I had to make constant adjustments to changing strategy, leadership, and business environments. Later in my career, I dealt with the same stressors around change, but in this instance, I was hired to be the change agent who was responsible for resetting direction and leading people through the change. 
in each instance, I felt challenged to either ha- either had by having to keep up and stay on board myself, or by helping everyone else to keep up and stay on board. It was exhausting. Um, wow. Um, one, that's right. It's exhausting. Two. How can you reduce some of the stress? How can you deal with change differently? And remember, we talked about personal growth, professional growth, being able to relate to same things differently, same situations, same relationships differently. Let's talk about change. One of the things that people think and believe is that We resist change. And as a result of that, change agents get logical with people and try to explain to them why the change is good. In effect, we don't resist change. What we resist is losing what we know. It's called losing the familiar. And you can picture in a corporate setting with an executive of a business unit or the head of a company, standing in front of the employees, explaining some strategy or change, logically explaining why, logically explaining the benefits, and logically saying to everyone, this is going to be good for everybody. What do you think the people in the audience are thinking about? Nancy, what do you think they're thinking about? Well, first of all, they're thinking about... um how are they going to go along with the new procedures and and how are they going to follow the leader, more or less, instead of following what's inside or trying to make adjustments in another way? Exactly. What they're thinking about is what does this mean to me? They don't hear any of the logic. So one of the things I would like to share uh, with our listeners and Christy is that there's two parts to change that you have to understand need to occur, and most leaders in business are only aware of one. It's called transformation. Transformation is intellectual, logical, it's strategic, and it's situation-specific. We're moving our headquarters, we're changing our brand, we're going to change regulations, et cetera, et cetera. The other part of change, which is too often overlooked, is transition. Transition is not logical. It's emotional, and it's situation neutral. It's a part of all change. Transitions begin with endings and begin or, and end with beginnings. We call it the underbelly of change. We talked about it in our first broadcast about the serve curve and how you have to begin with letting go, i.e., begins with endings, and then there's a period of decline and it rises up and grows and it ends with new beginnings. So that's the first thing. Secondly, to reduce the stress that, that occurs as you're going through change, you must become aware of grief. All change causes loss. Therefore, there must be a period of grieving. And what a lot of business leaders don't 
do or they don't understand is this takes time. This is a process, and it's not a logical process. People will get angry. People will want to bargain. People will get depressed. But the end of grief is acceptance. So facilitating grief is an enormously important part of leading change. Third point I would make here is allowing others to have space to feel what they're feeling and not to deny them the right. Don't disregard someone when they say, I'm worried about this, I'm concerned about this, etc., by saying, oh, there's nothing to worry about, oh, you'll be fine, oh, get over it, etc. That is demeaning, it's disrespectful, and it's not listening the way effective leaders should be listening. And finally, in change, too much logic contributes to too much stress. The less logic and the more facilitation of the emotions, the better. So, Christy, I hope that's helpful. Nancy, do you want to add anything to that? Well, um, I'm reminded of the story about the trapeze and how that affects change um, in my life. I remember a story about being on a trapeze bar and going back to and forth and back and forth in the same old familiar territory and then seeing the other bar approaching and the other bar is actually the unfamiliar territory it was it's actually the new me and then i have that um period of time in between grabbing the old bar leaving the old bar and grabbing the new bar, which is actually part of the transition, the emotional transition into change. And that is a very scary period of time when you don't know. You can only hope that you're going to grab on to that new bar that represents your new life and your your changed um, world. So... um, that is my, it's all involved with doing the same, doing new things and doing old things differently. You know, when, when you speak about doing new and experiencing new, et cetera, we refer to that as unfamiliar territory. And, and one of the things that we as human beings emotionally um, possess is the need for that, the need for the familiar. In fact, it's so strong um, that it's actually, it can be destructive. If you think about domestic abuse and you see someone in that situation and the, the first question you typically ask is, why don't you leave? And their answer is pretty much always the same. I can't. Um, that's what they know. And the fear of the unfamiliar, the unknown is paralyzing for a lot of people. Um, But as we're on this topic of change and as you're going through the two things you mentioned, how you're relating to yourself, which is unfamiliar territory, and how you're relating to your day, which is unfamiliar territory, are you doing this alone or are, are you getting help from other people to keep you on track? Well, um, Joe, I am having, I have a guide, a personal person who, um, 
is a good friend of mine, not someone I see every day, uh, but someone that I grew up with that I touch base with occasionally. And uh, she helps bring me into some unfamiliar territory by making me aware of what my, of my blind spots, what there is about me that needs to be, that could be different or needs to be changed. And this person is very open and direct with me, um, but I trust her so much that I'm not really offended by any of the blind spots that I might have by her telling me I, um, I accept what she has to say. I listen to what she has to say, and I accept what she has to say. Um, but... So this is helpful for you. So it's been, I have a very good guide. It's been a a very good way to um, recognize growth. Um, I also share with her some secrets about myself that nobody else knows that um, because of our relationship, she's very accepting of and she's not judgmental and, um, we often have some very, very good conversations. Nancy, let me jump in for a minute, and, and you're using a couple of terms that our listeners may not be familiar with. One is the guide, and um, that's uh, a term that, that I use in, in Seeds of Intent to describe a person who you need to have in your life, who cares enough about you, and who wants to see you fulfill your life as it is meant to be lived, they can share things with you that, as Nancy uh, mentioned, are blind spots. And blind spots are things that you're doing or things that you're thinking or it's a way of being that is sabotaging your potential for living the life that you're meant to live. Um, Some people call it criticism. It's literally saying to a person, and I have a few of these people in my life, and when they say to me, Jim, I have some feedback I need to share with you, I swallow hard because I know when someone's taken me into that place in my life where they're going to give me some feedback that is to help me, it's painful. Likewise, there has to be a level of trust And in accepting that feedback, you have to know their intention is not to hurt so much as to contribute to the future that you're meant to live. Nancy, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Is there anything else you want to mention about that? Well, um, I I did want to mention that we both have, my guide and I both have a shared high drive for growth. Uh, we're interested in change and professional growth, and uh, we're interested in going to in the uh, unfamiliar territory of doing new things or doing the same things differently and becoming more influential in our lives, in our relationships with other people. So you're actually contributing to her growth as well. Actually, as it turned out, when I visited her, and I spent a lot of time with her in May, and I found out that there were some things that she could, that I could help her with, and um, I was able to to do that to bring it to light, and um, 
it wasn't anything that she didn't already know or realize about herself, but um, I, I did bring it to her attention. So in a way, I ended up being her guide as well. well. Let me touch on that for a minute, too. The person that Nancy's referring to as a guide does not give advice and does not tell stories and does not share their opinion. What they share are observations. What they ask are provocative questions. Observations meaning, are you aware that you are doing such and such? Or a provocative question, have you ever thought to ask so-and-so how they felt about that interaction? I remember when my youngest son dropped out of school and we were working on uh, his trip home. I was driving him and I was lecturing, and at the end of that drive, people were saying to me, Jim, you need to ask him how that went. Mm-hmm. Nancy, mm-hmm. We're, we're at the end of our time together. Um, I want to take just a minute here to summarize quickly what I hope the listeners are going to take away from this. Intentions versus tasks. Definition of growth relating to same things differently same people, same situations. Our next broadcast will be next Wednesday, June 24th. Our guest will be Rebecca Bagley, Vice Chancellor, Economic Partnerships, University of Pittsburgh, and our topic of conversation will be about how to contribute to the value and potential of another person. Thank you for sharing part of your day with us. Thank you, Nancy. This has been a third hour. This has been the Serve Hour with Conversations That Matter. Thank you for listening to the Serve Hour's provocative conversation. Please rejoin your host, Jim Blackburn, during the Serve Hour, each Wednesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.